0: This podcast may contain explicit language.
1: This is the Dynasty Download Podcast.
0: Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan.
1: 2018 champ, Ethan Hamilton.
0: If you'd like to contact the show about any of our opinions, uh, maybe take a look at your lineup, anything that you've got going forward. We've got the playoffs coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, We just ended week 11, so uh, please get that information to us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Again, that's DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. No trade roundups for our current league. If you have any one... Uh, single trade that you'd like us to review as we kind of move forward. I know, uh, I think, is it this week or next week is the trade deadline for most standard leagues? I think it's next week.
1: I Uh, think ESPN is this week.
0: Okay. Either way, uh, there might be a little bit of time to see if you can hit on a couple of players yet, so I'll get to my buy low and sell high candidates of the week. But first, a quick aside, please don't collude with people who are at the bottom of your league I'm in a office league with my mother and uh, her friend, who is her number two. And uh, this is exactly how this came about. They were out on a walk. The uh, assistant office manager decided to ask, Hey, are you in the playoffs for fantasy football? Why, yes, I am. Do you need any extra players? Sure. So then we get a trade of James Robinson and Devontae Adams, for, like, two um, third-string backups that I don't know why they were on my mother's team. And then, if you're going to collude that badly, don't admit to it, which they both did independently. That's not how fantasy football is supposed to be played. Please don't do stupid crap like that, and especially if you're in a dynasty league, you will piss off everybody else and get kicked out. End of rant. Our buy low candidate of the week and our sell high candidate of the week are brought to you by a advertiser that we don't have yet. All right, let's move on. Buy low candidate of the week. I have two of them. First off, I'm going to go with CEH. He had a really good breakout can- or uh, game last night, although it was buoyed by the fact that he got into the end zone twice. I still think this is the floor level for him. He's gotten a lot of carries. I think he's going to be uh, very potentially explosive because they're going. a lot of teams are going to be focusing on Patrick Mahomes, uh, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and I think he's got a lot of room to grow. He only had one uh, reception and one target last night, and frankly, those weren't even it. It was a pitch that happened to be forward was his reception last night. Uh, And I put that in air quotes if uh, you didn't get my irony. My other, uh, let's say, buy low candidate of the week is a guy that is not even owned in 50% of most leagues. He's a guy that uh, a lot of the fantasy gurus have been focusing on for a couple of weeks. He had another big touchdown uh, this week. He's had three straight weeks of huge production, and he's got a good upcoming schedule uh, against the Uh, rest of his uh, fantasy outlook for the regular season it's Michael Pittman Jr. Ethan I seem to recall you uh, mentioning him quite a few times.
1: Yeah absolutely if anyone listened to our pre-draft post-draft all that other nonsense they know how in love I was with Michael Pittman Jr. I was not lucky enough to get him in this dynasty draft league that we are currently talking about but I do love me some Michael Pittman Jr.
0: You going to uh, attempt a trade for him?
1: Not with the asshole that owns him. He's pretty hard to deal with.
0: <laughs> oh. I wonder who that might be. All right, my sell-high candidate of the week is another guy we've talked about recently, but uh, I think this is not necessarily a matter of circumstances for the rest of the year. I still think he has a very... Um, good and productive end of the season but it sounds very likely that he's going to be walking away from his current team and because of that and the uncertainty that comes after it and whether or not he can be productive in another season or excuse me another system that season i would say juju smith schuster is a guy i might be considering selling high on if i'm in a dynasty format um, just because i think you can get a decent return for him right now And you don't really know what uh, system or team he's going to end up with next. I mean, for all we know, he could end up in Jacksonville or something. Yeah,
1: I want to touch on some couple by low people, too, that I think, especially strictly, honestly, talking uh, Dynasty, two wide receivers. Yeah, two wide receivers that I think, especially if you're kind of looking towards next year and the years ahead, um denzel mims and jalen rager are both two wide receivers that i think have dealt with injuries earlier on in this year Uh, but i think they're going to have they have prime ability and opportunity to really take off the end of this year and then moving forward in their career and then jonathan taylor as well we know how much and we've talked about how much he's been struggling and he even said after the game, yes, it was against the Green Bay Packer defense. We know how bad they are against the run. But he said the game kind of slowed down for him yesterday. He felt it slow down a little bit. And I think he is one person. Yes, I sold him this year, but I do think he has the potential to be a pretty good back in the league. So those are a couple of people that I would aim for if I'm looking to build over the next couple of years.
0: I think I've mentioned it on this program before that I think the Colts are one of the most talented rosters, which was why the whole Philip Rivers thing kind of bummed me out a bit. I I thought they were really a very good team, especially when they traded for DeForest Buckner. I thought their their defense was going to be really good going in, and I I think that's been proven right. Uh, I'm not even sure I was quite as high as they've ended up being. And, they haven't really missed on a lot of their draft picks so far. So it would be really shocking if Jonathan Taylor continued to struggle as much as he has. I'm going to get to him here in a second with some uh, additional thoughts when we talk about that game. But I would tend to agree on that one. My only questions on uh, the other two that you mentioned are, Rager's got really a spotty injury history, and that's been the only thing for me. Also, I don't know what that Eagles team is going to look like if they don't end up winning the division this year, whether they're going to continue with the same coach if they, they're in the same system, even if they're going to have the same quarterback. I mean, the the door's wide open on what the Eagles are going to be uh, after the next six weeks, and who knows? Uh I think he's talented, but it's whether he can stay on the field and what are the circumstances surrounding him. As far as Denzel, or Denzel Mims, I thought he was a guy that had the potential for uh, the quickest turnaround uh, as a rookie wide receiver, and it was just due to um, the Jets not having much else on the outside. And he's dealt with a lot of injuries. The Colts have been, or not the Colts, the, the Jets have been inconsistent at who the quarterback is going to be. you got to think that, because they're winless right now, that most likely they're going to get the number one overall pick and probably, if not almost assuredly, take a quarterback. Uh, I think it's up in the air depending on which draft expert uh, you talk to, who that may or may not be. But you've got to think his ability to get the ball improves with a different quarterback and probably a different system, because I can't imagine that Adam Gase is going to be there next year either. All right, let's move into things I got wrong. My upset pick of the week, the Bengals over Washington. Pretty much took a dump on the field the minute that the Bengals' starting quarterback was lost for the season. We'll get to that one in a moment. I didn't think that the Cowboys were going to hang around with Minnesota, and they ended up winning. I dare to say that I don't think I was the only one in that camp, so I'm not going to take that one too hard. I did have the Colts beating the Packers over the weekend, if you remember right. I also said it wasn't going to be close. And frankly, it was predicated on what the Colts showed in the second half, not the first half. Had they played that the way they did in the second half the entire game, uh, this game would not have been close. Um, The fact that Green Bay scored three points in the last two and a half quarters because the game went to overtime and the Colts put up what was that the equivalent of uh, 20 points that's a pretty big gap when uh, all things are considered I basically keep the same opinion and impression that I had going into the game but a team that I certainly was not expecting to not show up for their game the Dolphins What the hell happened to them against Denver? We're going to get to that one in a second, but boy, that one was unexpected. Probably my most unexpected result of the day. And finally, uh, Lamar Jackson being a top five quarterback this weekend. I was a little bit out on a limb uh, on that one. He didn't have a terrible game, but he ends up outside of the top ten at quarterbacks. He wasn't even a quarterback one, so it's really hard to uh, basically see this week after week, but I think we basically got it locked in at this point that uh, Lamar Jackson is not even worth being started in the standard league. Um, And that's just sad to see. All right, let's go to our quick league roundup. Technically the week has not finished. Uh, We are recording this just as the uh, Rams Buccaneers game is playing with the current standings in the middle of the game. uh, Tom terrific. With uh, 164.9, that is almost certainly to come down because Tom Terrific started the Rams' defense against that uh, Buccaneer offense. In what I assume would be a very defensive con or contest, it is currently leading Ed Winners, who has the Tampa Bay, Bay defense uh, 164.9 to 128.8. Akron Pros takes a very hard loss. 110 points, not necessarily a bad week, but uh, going up against the guy who's likely to put up the best week of the weekend, uh, that would be LDH, who had another stellar weekend, 148.6 points currently, he still has Tom Brady playing tonight. Uh, Dynasty football team, 149.75 locked in, final number, beats out Rogers Rabbits, who unfortunately looks like their playoff hopes are slim to none, with two weeks to go, 123.85. New Boot Goofin, currently ahead by, uh, what is this, 23 points? That can't be right. 23 and uh, a half points. Uh, over Shadynasty, uh 115.8 to 92.05. Uh, Dynasty still got Chris Godwin going tonight, but boy, oh, uh, Dumpster Fire puts up the lowest number of the week of pre- uh, pretty much any week that I've seen in a long time, 45.5. He's still got a couple of players going tonight, including Ronald Jones. But uh, to King in the North's 122.9, currently going tonight, he still has Robert Woods. All right, so currently, if these results hold, and there isn't a lot of switching, which I don't imagine there to be without Chris Godwin putting up a huge number, uh, dynasty would still be in first place but only by a game, and he does have a uh, very difficult matchup next week. Tom Terrific would still be in second place, King of the North in third. Dynasty football team, who would be facing off against Tom Terrific next weekend, would be in fourth place. Fifth place would be LDH, uh, two games behind the fourth place, but currently surging and clearly putting up some fairly good numbers as uh, things continue to go along. And then finally, in sixth place, Akron Pro's who, despite the loss, would still stay a game ahead of most of the other contenders who clearly had bad weeks. Uh, the only uh, riser would potentially be New Boot Goofing, getting ahead of Dumpster Fire to go into ninth place after the win. Uh, and Rogers Rabbits and Ed Winters, um, depending on the point structure, would be rounding out the bottom of the league uh, for what I would now refer to as the lottery spots. So... Uh, Oh, and as I speak, Robert Woods catches a touchdown. All right. So let's uh, get into the rest of these games. Your game of the week was the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Seahawks win the game 28-21. to uh, We had a few clips of uh, live action, although I guess my statistics were wrong during the middle of the show on Thursday night. Kenyon Drake ends up with 11 carries for 29 yards and a touchdown, but more importantly, five targets, four catches, and 31 yards in his first major action in the passing game in a long time. Chase Edmonds, two carries for 13 yards, but four targets, four receptions, 36 yards and a wide open touchdown in the end zone on Thursday night. Tyler Lockett uh, continues to put up numbers, nine uh, overall targets, nine catches, 67 yards and a touchdown. DK Metcalf has an underwhelming performance, but partly because he let a touchdown pass hit him in the face, Uh, five targets, three catches, 46 yards and a touchdown. Not a terrible game, but certainly not the games that we've come to basically expect out of DK Metcalf. So, I'll let you kind of uh, give me any general impressions that you may have had from this particular game because this was your game of the week. But I guess if I had one question kind of coming out of this, um, other than maybe something about the scoreline, most of this game, uh, although underwhelming from a fantasy perspective, kind of went the way we would have expected with lack of scoring across the board. The one player that really didn't perform all that well, and he's been having a couple of rough weeks the last few weeks, is DK Metcalf. He's suddenly not a bankable wide receiver one.
1: Yeah, for me, I thought for sure there were going to be a, a bunch more points. That underwhelming is the word that I would use and the first word that popped in my head. This is not been a great stretch for DK Metcalf over the last two games but he had he still had 12 points you know three grabs 46 yards and a touchdown yes he let a touchdown hit him in the face in the back of the end zone which was disappointing but I really don't think you can for you to expect your wide receiver to get you 20 to 40 points like he had been doing is a little unreasonable unless it's Devonte Adams, I feel, at this point in time, just because we know how much he likes to get fed the ball. DK Metcalf is still somebody I want in my lineup each and every week, no matter who he's going up against. But to expect 20, 30-plus each and every week, 20, I feel like, is something you can expect. But anything over that is being a little unreasonable. He's still – this is still only his second year in the league, you know? He's still learning – he says he wears the pacifier because he's a ba- a baby in this league but he's still a man in this league as well so he still has a lot to learn and i think with that he'll become more consistent but he's still seeing coverages that he's never seen before but he is the guy and he's still somebody that i want on my squad so i'm not losing any sleep over what dk has been doing over the last two weeks
0: you are absolutely starting him he is a wide receiver one and he has a fairly favorable schedule down the stretch. With the exception of maybe the Giants and the Rams, this is the rest of his schedule for the rest of the year. Philadelphia next week, who is its own dumpster fire. That's the Monday night game. The Giants, who have been decent against the past, but it just depends on what happens um, in any particular game with them. They've been able to give up points depending on how certain teams are playing or... Who knows? The Jets, which we already enough said, uh, the Washington football team, the Rams and the 49ers. I don't think there's anybody in there that if you said that you were going to have at least three uh, playoff games or like end of the year games that are against Philly, uh, the Jets and Washington isn't going to be saying, oh, I'll take that every day of the week. All right. So let's move ahead to the next game on our list, so Sunday, uh, the Steelers pretty much dismantled the Jaguars. Four interceptions uh, by the Jaguars team as a total. Nobody really has a great fantasy day. Uh, James Robinson puts up the most production because, I mean, if there's just about anything we know, it's going to be James Robinson leading whatever Jaguars team is coming out onto the field. But they were up against a very tough task. The big story out of this one for me, though, is Deontay Johnson, 16 targets, 12 catches, 111 yards And I think he's quietly becoming the Steelers wide receiver one. We've said it for a couple of weeks now that there wasn't one defined wide receiver one.
1: 16 targets is a lot of targets, but if you were to tell me next week that Chase Claypool got 16 targets or Juju Smith Schuster got 16 targets, I wouldn't be surprised at all. So I still think it's really too early to say that the Steelers still have a definite go to number one wide receiver. Chase Claypool still had eight targets. You know, that's a lot of targets. It's half of what Deontay Johnson got, obviously, but I still think it's a statement as to say, we're going to go to everybody. So I I personally think it's too premature to call Deontay Johnson their number one wide receiver because Big Ben features all of them.
0: I would agree with basically everything that you've said the entire history of ben roethlisberger has been to spread the ball around to a lot of different guys and he's usually featured multiple receivers which is why they've drafted a lot of receivers and turned them into something that being said i think 16 targets is a lot i don't even think chase claypool has had um double digit targets more than like once this season he's just done a lot with very few targets And if there's anybody that's going to be taking away that level of volume, it's probably going to be uh, Smith-Schuster. But even early on in the season, we saw the target monster that was Deontay Johnson. It's been more a matter of whether he was healthy enough to be on the field and generating as many targets as he has been. So if he's healthy and he's starting, I think there's a good shot that we're saying another week or two of seeing this, that he is basically the Steelers' number one. Let's go to Eagles at Browns. The Eagles lose this game, 17 to 22. It really wasn't as close as the score indicated. The Eagles get a garbage time touchdown, but this marks two straight games from Nick Chubb over 100 yards rushing, including one long ripped off run. Dallas Goddard, uh, six catches five, or excuse me, six targets, five catches, 77 yards and a touchdown. Those are my two big storylines out of this one. Other than the crappy weather that was. So, number one, is Nick Chubb possibly the most dominant runner in the league? Not running back, runner.
1: Yeah, I had to think about that for a second. That was a really good question. I personally do not think so. I would still put Derrick Henry up there. I would still even put Dalvin Cook up there, too, uh, just because of the way he slashes through offense or defenses so quickly. Uh, He gets to the second level so quickly. Power is what Nick Chubb brings to the table. Not so much agility and flash. That's where Dalvin and Nick Chubb are different. I would say Nick Chubb is closer to a Derrick Henry, but I still think Derrick Henry does, does it better than Nick Chubb, if you get what I'm saying. So I think he's up there in the conversation, but I do not think he is most definitely the most dominant runner in the league.
0: It's hard for me to say... He is, but it's also hard for me to say he isn't. Uh, I would put him in the conversation, It's, but I, I don't know if—I think that's all you can have is a conversation because there are so many really good backs. And I would tend to agree that he's much closer to a Derrick Henry type, um, whereas uh, Kareem Hunt has a lot of other skills that um, the Browns have used to great success most of the year. The one question that I I guess I would have for you, you, you mentioned lateral agility and quickness in that, and I think one of the underrated qualities of both Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry, there are a lot of good power backs that can just rumble through a line like a fullback, but there are not a lot of guys that have the acceleration ability of Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry where they get past that first level with their power and they're able to just take off. And I do think there is also something to their lateral agility that they only have to make one really good cut and they're through a gaping hole. And all of a sudden, you know, they're into the secondary playing uh, bowling pins with whoever's back there. So I I, I find it fun to watch him play, even though I have to watch the Browns in order to do it. But he's got to be in the conversation. Now, you also know that this has been one of the worst years for tight ends, and this might have been possibly the best weekend we've ever had for tight ends for the entire year. Robert Tanyan had 12 points. Uh, Hunter Henry had 12 points. Uh, we had Dallas Goddard have, you know, a well over a dozen points. Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey were putting up huge numbers in the Sunday night game. You might even venture to say that had uh, George Kittle been healthy, And the 49ers playing this weekend, he might've had a big game because that's just kind of the tight end weekend that was. And if you were lucky enough to start Taysom Hill in ESPN uh, as a tight end, as they had declared him over the weekend, that you could throw into the mix of uh, tight ends. But Given that Dallas Goddard was originally a guy that we were very high on, especially after week one, we kind of saw a changing of the guard. Uh, Zach Ertz is still out uh, and I think still currently on IR, although he might be designated to return here in the near future. The Eagles have not had a ton of bright spots on offense, and he again put up another big game. He's had at least a good half dozen targets in every game that he's been uh, physically on the field. So, given the disparity we've had at tight end this year, the performance we had this last weekend, and that he's at least getting a steady diet of targets, is he a potential top five for you at tight end for the rest of the season?
1: No, I don't think so. Uh, There's four guys I'd safely take in front of him, and then one that I'd think about. You have Travis Kelsey, you have Darren Waller, you have Mark Andrews, you have Jonu Smith. Uh, The other one that I would think about then is TJ Hawkinson. Uh, so he would be for me towards the back end of the five, but for me, I think he'd more be sitting at like a seven or eight, especially with Zach Ertz probably coming back sometime soon.
0: Uh, given where John who started and where he's been at the last, I don't know, however many weeks, he has been a completely touchdown dependent tight end, which is frankly the entire league outside of Travis Kelsey and maybe Darren Waller. Mark Andrews has put up a couple of good games the last few weeks, so you could safely put him in that. And I think that's one, two, three. Kelsey, Waller, Andrews with Kittle being out. But after that, I think it's safe to say there's a conversation between Hawkinson, Hunter Henry, um, Goddard. Maybe, depending on the week, you throw in a Robert Tanyan, but not a guy that I'm counting on because he'll have a big up week and then he'll come crashing back to earth with, like, one or two uh, targets overall. So it's not a guy that I'm I'm necessarily banking on. But I think, credibly, if he's a guy that you're uh, inserting into your lineup every week, there are a lot worse options for a tight end one um, than Dallas Goddard this year. So I, I think he's safely in that conversation. The Saints go into Atlanta and come away with a win, 24-9, The Falcons were, they started a little bit hot, but they really faded quickly. Matt Ryan, 232 yards and two interceptions, although a lot of it comes early on in the game. The team only ran for 52 total yards uh, in or between everybody. And uh, the big story of the game, though, is Taysom Hill, Um, a guy that didn't have a good first quarter, but Really came out firing, especially in the second half. 233 yards passing, 10 total carries for 51 yards and two touchdowns. Michael Thomas, though, getting back to being Michael Thomas, 12 targets, 9 catches, 104 yards. So, number one, uh, do you think Taysom Hill is the answer at quarterback for the Saints after Drew Brees retires? And is Michael Thomas and the Saints' defense back to where they were maybe the last few years?
1: No, I do not think Taysom Hill is going to be the long-term replacement for Drew Brees. I think he's much more of a gadget guy. They will most definitely go into the draft or maybe even sign a guy because they have, obviously have the money if a Drew Brees would be to retire. Have, making Taysom Hill your long-term quarterback I think is fun and everything like that, but I don't think it's going to yield the type of results that Sean Payton would want. For me, yeah, I think Michael Thomas is is back because they're going to try to force him the ball. Like, if there's somebody, if I'm a new quarterback coming in, an, an experienced quarterback like, like a Taysom Hill, I am going to have 150% confidence in a guy like a Michael Thomas. So he's going to get his fair share of opportunities. The Saints defense being back, I'm not so much there with that yet, especially because. The the Falcons just aren't the team that we thought they were going to be, so I don't want to give the Saints defense too much credit. Let's see a couple more weeks of what they have to go.
0: Now, to be fair, the Saints have not allowed a 100-yard rusher in three calendar years, so that's been a staple of their defense forever. It's whether or not they can secure up their back end. And they clearly have talented players um, behind them. Malcolm Jenkins, that they signed this year, uh, Janoris Jenkins is starting to round into form. And obviously, their uh, top corner, the, his name escapes me at the moment. Um, Lattimore. Yes, Marshawn Lattimore. Thank you. And uh, I, I think the Saints have a really good shot, they're showing a lot of promise. Uh, the one um, curiosity I have is we kind of talked about it in our preview episode the other day that uh, we thought Michael Thomas might have a lot of very easy routes or they might be force feeding in the ball. And Alvin Kamara only had one catch in this game. So that that's a curiosity thing. I don't think that lasts long term, but it certainly was made a bit of a difference when Taysom Hill was at quarterback versus uh, Drew Brees, who's, Likely to dump off the ball a lot quicker than uh, uh, most others, given where he's at in his career. Uh, just a quick update from the football game. Mike Evans just dragged two guys into the end zone after Tom Brady threw him a covered pass, uh, despite Chris Godwin being wide open in the middle of the field who could have had a walk-in touchdown. Uh, I think we're all thankful for that one. All right, let's go to Washington uh visiting Cincinnati. uh, Obviously, this is a disheartening result, not because of how the game turned out, but simply that one of our bright stars from this season, Joe Burrow, out for the year, tore both his ACL and MCL, has some other structural damage. He's going to need a lot of rehab. We obviously feel bad for him. Uh, One of the few benefits, and I'm glad to see this, is uh, Joe Burrow's Feed the Hungry initiative or his charity that um, is trying to provide um, food to the needy um, got a significant increase in donations since his injury yesterday and so if there's anything positive for the Cincinnati community it's certainly that um, people have rallied around him and I think the way he showed a positive attitude, the way he kind of went about displaying his leadership even in a really down moment is indicative of what the Bengals drafted at number one. And you could really hope for when you have a number one pick like Joe Burrow. So that being said, Tyler Boyd had 11 targets, nine catches for 85 yards in this one. Not the same for basically any of the other Bengals wide receivers who obviously take a downgrade going forward, but we'll get to that here in a second. The Redskins have kind of a up and down day. Alex Smith only throws for like 160 yards. But Antonio Gibson, 16 carries, 94 yards and a touchdown, one catch for 10 yards. Is he becoming a solid lock it in running back too?
1: You know, I think for him, he has exceeded everybody's expectations, what they had for him this year. Uh, He has been a double digit scorer for the last four weeks. He has not gone over 15 carries all but twice. So he's very versatile. He You know what makes him fun to watch too is just how obviously he played wide receiver in 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 college is how precise his routes are and I think that is what's really helped him translate so quickly into the next level because you really can't load the box on a ty- type of guy like this because then yeah you just you 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 audible out of it and you just get him onto a linebacker because if you're blitzing you're obviously in man and that's not you don't want to be man to man him against a linebacker my only hesitation drafting him was he was learning a new position at the highest level in the entire world and then if his body could hold up and he's blown me away so yeah he's for sure a, a running back too for me
0: I would tend to agree with basically everything you said, with the exception that seeing this coming, I actually was very high on him going into the year. There were a lot of fantasy experts that uh, thought as much. But the way he's getting his points has been the surprising part to me. Given that he was a wide receiver and how Washington had their backfield situated at the time, you would have thought that he would have been closer to what J.D. McKissick has become for that backfield. Uh, I'm very surprised to see him week after week after week getting 15, 16, uh, 17, 18 carries a game and really kind of toting the rock for this team. I thought he would have been a much higher value pass catcher. Uh, I think he's proved to be possibly a a different style running back and that he has a lot more potential uh, than just being a uh, do-it-all Uh, kind of uh, big play satellite player back. And so I I would agree he's a locked-in RB2 at least through the rest of the year. Uh, I'll be curious to see what the Washington football team does in the draft, though, because I I think they're probably going to draft somebody else to complement that situation. Even though they like McKissick and Gibson, I I still think they could – afford to draft somebody in the Nick Chubb vein or something close to that, a a power back to give a few carries to a game to take a little bit of workload off of their, their other guys.
1: Yeah. It's hard to picture him. It's hard to picture him as like a, a long term guy that's going to get 200 carries and you're, you're going to build your whole franchise around him. It's hard to picture him in that vein.
0: Now, obviously with Joe Burrow being out, The Bengals offense is going to take a hit. Ryan Finlay is a clear downgrade for that Bengals team. And for uh, a guy that we just, in our preview episode, said we could lock in uh, to your lineup just about every week, T. Higgins, as well as Tyler Boyd, uh, then you get into the running back conversation. How much are you downgrading or crossing off Bengals players going forward for the rest of the year?
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm not starting them, unless I see that they can produce. No bangle will be in my lineup next week, and that includes the running backs, too, because if I'm a defensive coordinator coming in, I am bringing the kitchen sink every time. I'm going to make the quarterback make super quick decisions, and I'm not going to let the run beat me. So it's tough. It's, it's, it's a wait-and-see type of approach, and I need to see something in order to trust that I'm going to get at least some return on an investment like that.
0: If Joe Burrow is not healthy enough to start next season and the Bengals get off to another uh, tough year, that could be a blessing in disguise because all of a sudden you're talking about them potentially having another top 10 pick as they're likely to have after this season as well. Now you can go out and you can get Joe Burrow a left tackle. That's going to be the guy for the next 10 years um, that you can really – put it in front of him and say all right this guy's not getting hurt again kind of in the way that uh, you know certain quarterbacks have had that stalwart left tackle forever and ever and ever i sincerely think that cincinnati needs that in order to be able to produce going forward so while it's tough to be a bengal's fan now it's been tough to be a bengal's fan for 30 years so you got to be used to it by now Let's go to the Panthers at Lions. This one was a hugely surprising result for me. I thought this would be a much more competitive game. Uh, The final score, Panthers 20, Lions 0. There were a lot of turnovers, bad plays in this game, but given that Teddy Bridgewater was ruled out before the game, we had the guy who uh, led the XFL in passing touchdowns last year start for the Panthers. So kudos to a league that is now defunct although it got bought up by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So maybe we'll get some spring football at some point. But TJ Hawkinson continues to produce at least uh, valuable fantasy minutes as a tight end. Seven targets. He's a veteran. He's a guy who's maybe 31. He's not a guy I'm worried about practicing and being able to go. He was wide receiver one last week. He was the number three overall player for flex consideration from last week. He is a guy that if he is able to go on Sunday, I am definitely having in my lineup. That being said, this is something that we've preached a bit and especially this year. And with the playoffs coming up, I feel a need to repeat this again. If you have a guy that is going to be a game time decision. So Adam Thielen, Julio Jones, uh, maybe if Christian McCaffrey were a little bit more certain and he's doubtful for this week, put them in your flex position because it offers you more versatility if it goes the opposite way. So if Adam Thielen is out for this game, now you can replace him with a running back or a tight end or somebody else that has a little bit more versatility than putting him in your wide receiver slot. Now you're limited to only a receivers. It's a small gaming of the system, and I don't think enough people know how to do that. It's just some advice that I'm providing you ahead of time. As we said, Christian McCaffrey is doubtful again for this game. We still don't have a solid timetable on him yet. However, it seems like Teddy Bridgewater, because he is off the injury list, is going to play. Apparently he was cleared last week, but they held him out on a coach's decision. So if Adam Thielen is not able to go for this game, we do have another solid wide receiver in Minnesota who has been producing at a huge level justin jefferson as a rookie possibly setting records all over the place as a rookie wide receiver would he be a solid wide receiver too for you especially if adam thielen is not there
1: yeah i mean i think so i i you kind of want to talk yourself out of it just because he's never in this been in this type of position before but i feel like you got to trust the talent You also have a running back in Dalvin Cook that the defenses are going to be focused on as well. And you have a competent enough quarterback in Kirk Cousins where he can get the ball to Justin Jefferson. So yeah, I for sure think that Justin Jefferson is a top 20 wide receiver this week with Adam Thielen out.
0: Now, another antagonist of your season, we talked about him a little bit earlier in the week, is DJ Moore. You have yet to start him on one of his big weeks, and he's been highly unpredictable. But last year, he was an absolute stud. And at times this year, he has played like it. We just have not been able to predict when it's going to happen. So let's just play another fantasy rather, or dynasty rather, if you will. If you had to start a team right now, would you rather have Justin Jefferson or DJ Moore?
1: I've been thinking about this question all fucking day long, and I don't know the answer to it. So I'm going to let everybody else make the decision, and then I'm going to let you go off on a tangent because you have Justin Jefferson So you can answer this question as well. Um, Justin Jefferson, though, he's 21 years old. DJ Moore is 23 years old. So neither of them are (laughs) near the peak or the prime of their careers yet. They're each having, though, both identical types of years. Just one of them is doing a lot more with a lot less opportunities. DJ Moore has 46 receptions. Justin Jefferson has 45 um yardage wise DJ Moore has 863 Justin Jefferson has 848 touchdowns They each have the same with four the thing that I what I said earlier though with opportunities DJ Moore has 80 targets Justin Jefferson only has 59 you know he's doing a lot more with a lot less not a not more but he's doing just as much with a lot less you know I don't want to give up on DJ Moore um just because we've seen what he can do. And I, for me, I think a lot of it comes down to the offense. And I think too, a lot of it comes down to Christian McCaffrey, not being there, having that person that defenses have to focus on opens up so much more. So if you were to offer me a trade for Justin Jefferson, for DJ Moore, straight up, I don't know, man, I'd, I'd, I'd feel decent either way, you know, because you're getting a really good player either way. But I don't know. I really I really don't know. I guess I'll take DJ Moore just because he's on my team. And I don't want to give you the benefit of the doubt because you have Justin Jefferson. But how do you feel about it?
0: So originally I drafted Justin Jefferson. and I don't think I made it much of a secret that I thought he was basically my Adam Thielen insurance or replacement when he eventually kind of declines because he's getting into his elder years
1: right you didn't expect this type of year from him no rookie certainly not i don't think anybody
0: did no but you look at the comparables to dj moore and justin jefferson i think it's very similar dj moore was producing a lot when he had a very significant fantasy running back running behind him that opened things up and allowed for him to do space. Neither of them has had great starting quarterbacks in their playing days ahead of them. They were even selected in the first round about the same uh, pick area, if you, if you will. I think it's a coin toss, if you're asking me, especially for what they produced this season. I think I might, because of the amount of explosive plays and the fact that Jefferson has done more with less, probably say him, and I think he also has a potentially higher ceiling because he's younger he's got so much unexplored yet to what his game could be that that's more intriguing to me but it's not to say that DJ Moore is not young or explosive or that he has a lot of potential still to go on him either so I I think it is kind of a coin toss I just find it an interesting question in a game where these might be the top two guys that are producing on a wide receiver level for us this weekend in a game, I'm very curious to see how this kind of comes out.
1: Yeah, I mean, between it would have been really nice if Christian McCaffrey was healthy. You know, it would have, it would have made the game even more exciting. But that's what I'm really looking forward to, too, is watching these two wide receivers um, do their thing. But yeah, everything you said, I agree with 100%. And I would. If I was in your position, if he was on your team, I would probably think the exact same way. Like, why would I want to trade this 21 year old for a 23 year old? I want to see what he can do. I want to see what he's capable of. But then, you know, you're talking about the other guy, and he's only 20 fucking three. You know, so yeah, I I don't. It is a coin flip for me. It is a coin flip. The one thing I'll say
0: is, is since we've seen a huge season out of DJ Moore already. And yes, he's produced this year, but it's not quite to the same level. It might be that we've established what DJ Moore's ceiling could be, whereas I have a little bit more uncertainty of what Jefferson's ceiling could be since he's never even finished a full season. Does that, is that make, making any sense? I guess that's where my head would be at. All right. The other question I have, and I think this is just an interesting situation. You mentioned Christian McCaffrey versus Delvin Cook and how fun that would be, given how well Delvin has played this year as basically the fantasy MVP to this point and the absolutely ridiculous season that Christian McCaffrey had last season. Going into the year, Christian McCaffrey was without a doubt the number one pick in every single league that was drafting or doing anything or auctioning, whatever. He was the co- most coveted guy in fantasy. But I would venture to say that Delvin has a new contract. He's going to be playing in a run-heavy offense with the Vikings for the foreseeable future. And despite his injury history, he's stayed relatively healthy this year. He's only missed really a game and a half, more or less. So if you were starting a dynasty league from scratch again, and I know I've done this a lot today, but I think this is an interesting question for how we do the show. Would you rather have Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook to start your team?
1: Everyone knows I'm a Dalvin Cook owner, but I'm not an idiot. Like for me, it's Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he Christian McCaffrey would be the number one running back in fantasy again this year if he was healthy the entire year. I think the lowest game that he had in the three games that he's played is like 22 points or 20 points like that. I think he's only played three games and he's still like running back 32 or something like that. That's, that's incredible. Um, What Christian McCaffrey does out of the backfield receiving and just rushing is really else in the league can do. And it's, it's frustrating for me because the draft that we had with Christian McCaffrey, with Dalvin cook, with Leonard Fournette, with Joe Mixon, I had two of the first four picks. And I took Dalvin and Joe Mixon and Christian McCaffrey went fourth for, for our draft that year. So it's, it's funny how fantasy has a way of working itself out. But for me, it's Christian McCaffrey.
0: I think this is a lot closer than it was a couple of months ago. But I'm going to say McCaffrey too. And it's just because we know how high the highs can be. Dalvin has been absolutely bawling out, but when you're talking about PPR value and all of the rest of that, McCaffrey is just an absolute scoring machine. And I don't think even at his height, Delvin's ever going to be the pass catcher that McCaffrey is. It, it's really that simple. It, it's a statistical value. And that's unfortunate, I guess, if you're splitting hairs between the two, but I think this is one A and one B more or less. If you're, if you're ranking dynasty players right now.
1: Listen, I love Dalvin Cook. I loved him at Florida State. Um, I was bummed that he went to the Vikings. I wanted the Packers to get him, and I love him more than any Packer probably should, but you're absolutely right. Like Christian McCaffrey would catch circles around Dalvin Cook, so I think that's just where the value for Christian McCaffrey just can't be matched.
0: And I don't think that's a knock on Dalvin no. or any other running back. It's It's simply that
1: Pecabre is like
0: a receiver that we've never seen in a running back's body. And it's something to behold. I really have missed being able to talk about him this year. And even though he doesn't play for either of our teams, football is just more fun when he's out there. Absolutely. Let's go to the Cardinals at the Patriots. This game would have been much more fun last season. But unfortunately, the Patriots are now in a different era some doubt for Kyler's shoulder on this one I know you and I were talking about a little bit ahead of this taping more or less I think I would be a little bit more concerned not just whether Kyler plays or not but how effective he's going to be because it is his throwing shoulder and I think there is some concern I have for him maybe not necessarily into the fantasy playoffs for the next maybe couple of weeks which is okay for you because other than this week you should have more or less two bye weeks uh one actual bye week and then you're playing somebody that is pretty well out of it by this point next week but are you concerned about kyler's shoulder going into the playoffs
1: um i'm not too concerned about it um i have from a pretty good reliable physical therapist source aka my wife Um, Just from everything that I've read and told her, she thinks that he should. And his quotes today also in practice were that he felt fine as well. So I'm not too worried about Kyler's shoulder. I think you're more worried about it than I am.
0: Rex Burkhead did tweet out that he will be back again stronger next year. So by that, most people are basically assuming that he is out for the season as we feared the other day when we did the show. But, We have two backfields that have a lot of similarities and uncertainties going into it. We have two guys that have been heavily used in the run game but haven't been featured pretty much at all most of the year, save for last week for Kenyon Drake, in the passing game. So in this game, given all of the things that we've seen, are you taking Damian Harris or Kenyon Drake? Now, note... Kenyon Drake was drafted as an RB1 early
1: in the year. I think I'm taking Kenyon Drake, and I think it has everything to do with the emergence of Chase Edmonds. I think the emergence of Chase Edmonds has just opened up a whole lot more for Kenyon Drake. He's not the workhorse. He's kind of just getting his carries, and now he's making the most out of them because he's a, he's a different runner than Chase Edmonds is. And as a defender, it's tough to see another running back come into the game that's arguably better or just as good. And, but he does things differently. Um, so for me, it's Kenyon Drake.
0: I think this is a coin toss for the rest of the year and going into next year, I have no clue. These are neither guy that I feel particularly great about for next season for the rest of this season. I, I really do think it's a coin toss. I, Who, which of these two guys has maybe a better schedule, has more likelihood to get into the end zone. That's where my money would lie. But I think you could very easily stick one of these guys into your flex spots, depending on what the matchup is per week, and get enough productivity in uh, playoff categories this year in order to make them viable. But I don't think you, your week is being won or lost on either of these guys. Now I found this a little bit interesting. There's a player featured in this game who I'm not particularly high on, but you've seemed to kind of come back around on him in the last few weeks, a lot higher than I have myself. So I guess I'm going to ask you because this came up when we were talking about the trade deadline a couple of weeks ago. What are your thoughts on Christian Kirk and why have you suddenly become enamored with him again? I know he was a guy that you were high on when he was younger and when Nuke was not there, even before Kyler was there, to be honest. But given that those two guys are now around, what are your feelings on his long-term future as a dynasty prospect?
1: Well, the thing with Christian Kirk, he's still really young too. I think he's 23, 24 years old, and this is his third year in the league um, but, yeah, we were talking about it because I had the opportunity to move Christian Kirk to get a top tight end to kind of round out my team this year. And for some reason, I just couldn't pull the trigger on Christian on trading Christian Kirk. And a lot of people might be like, "Well, wow, that's really weird. You have Nuke Hopkins there and you even have Larry Fitzgerald there as well. Um, but the thought of having him, Nuke Hopkins and Kyler Murray. Together, I feel, is just something that you can't pass up. And they can both survive together as well. Um, Over the last six games, these are the averages for Christian Kirk. He's got 4.2 receptions. He's getting about 6.3 targets per game, 66.8 yards, and 0.8 touchdowns um, over the last six games. So that would put him at wide receiver 15. Nuke would then still be sitting at wide receiver 14. Um, And I don't even think he's had two duds too the last two weeks. Like I've started in the last two weeks. Trust me, they've been, they've been dud games. Um, And I don't even think they were great games for Kyler Murray. And I won't know, especially last week was not a great game for any of the Cardinals. So I just think this is one of those situations where it reminds me a lot of Julio and Calvin Ridley. Christian Kirk is, is an exceptional route runner. And in this league, Separation means more than speed. We see that right now with Henry Ruggs. I know he's still trying to figure things out, but he's really, really fast, but he's not separating like you need to in the NFL. Christian Kirk is really, really good at separating um, away from corners and away from safeties. So, yeah, it just kind of reminds me of the Falcons wide receiver setup twice, you know, with Roddy White and now with um Calvin Ridley. I think they can be successful like that. So yeah, I'm decently high on Christian Kirk. If you want to know my thoughts on Christian Kirk, please email us
0: at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. <laughs> we'll move quickly along in the show though in order for the interests of time. Uh-huh. Dolphins at Jets, this isn't a game I want to spend a ton of time on, partially because Miles Gaskin is not yet ready to return Savan Ahmed, who had that huge game a couple of weeks ago, sat out practice today. We don't know what his status is going to be for Sunday. You might keep a monitor on Matt Breida, who at times has been a decent fantasy running back. However, it was only when he was with the 49ers. We have yet to really see him be featured for the Dolphins. Tua got knocked out of the game last week, not by injury, but just out of bad play. But he is starting again this week. Breston Williams and LaMichael Pirine are still on IR, and this game is featuring a couple of wide receivers who have had big games at different points in the season, but have also had different games where they've been completely underwhelming. So if you were to pick a guy from this game, just quickly, Devontae Parker or Jamison Crowder to start for you.
1: I'm going to go with Devontae Parker just because he's on a better team with a better quarterback.
0: Great analysis right there. Probably as much as this game deserves. Now, the only other question I have for this is partly because your interest and your advice on Denzel Mims went significantly, exponentially higher the minute that he got added to your team give us your expanded thoughts of him. Is it simply a matter of confirmation bias that I picked him up, so now I'm trying to convince myself he's going to be good? Or do you really have something to give? Because I don't remember you being this high on him coming out of the draft.
1: Well, before the new owner of the team that dropped him dropped him, I was preparing to make a couple of trade offers for him. Um, I wasn't huge on talking about him because I didn't really want to bet against myself. So then when I saw that he was dropped, it was like, me, a six-year-old kid on Christmas morning, I couldn't freaking believe it. Um, I really don't understand why you would drop somebody like Denzel Mims. Dude ran a 4.38, um, vertical leap 38 inches, 20-yard um, shuttle was 4.4, which is really, really quick. He is somebody that you're going to have to just wait on, though. He, we're not going to expect a lot of him this year. He's going to have a different quarterback next year. He's going to have a different um, coach next year, a different offense. But you cannot argue what you see on tape either. Uh, the one grab, who did he play last week? I oh, forgot the who he was. Yes, it was against the Chargers. He had one grab on the sideline against the Chargers that really made me just solidify like, yeah, this guy is going to be a stud. You get the proper things around him like a quarterback and a competent coach, like I'm not even saying good, just competent. I feel like the sky's the limit for Denzel Mims. Um, You were a lot higher on him post draft than I was. Um, I was probably even a little bit negative on him, but it had more to do with his landing spot than anything with him going to the jets. But now as the season has progressed and knowing that they're going to have new everything next year, I just think the sky's the limit for the kid.
0: Again, I think we have some bigger games to cover, but if you want my Denzel Mims take, I will specifically do it, but please send us an email. Give us something up a up little Twitter. quick.
1: Get a little quick. You can do something quick. I'm
0: a little I bummed. Think, I think he has produced a lot with bad quarterback play. He had a lot of production at Baylor with bad quarterback play, and in a different system next year, playing behind Allen Robinson, he might really shine. So who knows – exactly what is going to happen with this Jets team, what they're going to have at coach, what they're going to end up with a pick as far as that goes, whether they're going to be one or two, but they're likely to take a quarterback very early on in this draft. And he was a guy that I thought would have a great opportunity because he was likely to be the number one guy on the outside for that team. So part of it was, is I was higher on him to produce as a rookie. He's not had that opportunity because of injuries. So We'll go from that and hope that he turns into that. I think he has the athletic ability. We'll see what the circumstances are around him in a terribly dysfunctional organization. Let's go to the Browns at the Jaguars. Again, this isn't a game I want to spend a ton of time on. The Jaguars are having a lot of issues. They have one win on the season. Frankly, even that win is inexplicable given that it was opening week. It was a comeback win and it was against the Colts of all people, but Gardner Minshew is not yet ready to come back. He may be the backup this week, but they are sitting Jake Luton, who had a good game a couple of weeks ago and looked terrible against the Steelers last week. Veteran backup Mike Lennon is in as the starter. The only big questionable for injury-wise is Lavishka Chenault is currently questionable, but he hasn't really been producing since Gardner Minshew was out. The Jaguars constantly are giving up yards on the ground, So with Nick Chubb being back, having two consecutive hundred yard days and ripping off some big runs, including that absolute uh, smashing run last week where he just stiff armed a guy to the face uh, over or under 120 rushing yards for Nick Chubb this week.
1: I am going to take the under just because one 120 yards is incredibly hard to get in the NFL, but. Two, yes, Jacksonville, they give up the six most points to to opposing running backs, but they've only given up over 100 yards twice, and only one of those was over 120 yards. It was 150, that amazing week that Joe Mixon had, and we haven't seen him since. So, no, I'm going to go under for 120 yards. Nick Chubb has produced
0: 110 and 114 yards in the first two games against much stiffer competition. If you remember back, my long shot of the week when I picked DeAndre Swift to have that breakout game was against the Jaguars, and I like for Nick Chubb to go over 120 in this game. It was part of the reason that I even asked this question, because I like for him to go over 120, and I like for Kareem Hunt to have a pretty big day as well, which is probably leading into my other question. Given where these two running backs have been this year, they both featured as top 10 running backs for the season. Do you expect James Robinson or Kareem Hunt to have the better game?
1: I was I was thinking James Robinson, just because he's a bigger part of that offense, um, just more involved, and there's not anyone else eating out of his carries. But now I'm interested to hear why you think Kareem Hunt.
0: I think James Robinson has a good opportunity, but I think significantly he is hurt by the fact that they don't have much of a passing game right now, and his passing game numbers have steadily declined over The last three, four weeks, I think as the season has progressed and he's had to take a lot more carries on his body, it is quite clear that he's never had to produce this amount of workload for an entire season. Whereas Kareem Hunt is a former rushing champion. I also think that the Browns are going to basically hand off to Chubb, hand off to Chubb, hand off to Hunt, hand off to Hunt, throw the ball to Hunt, give the ball to Chubb and give the ball to Chubb. And it's specifically because as long as you keep the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands, you have a chance of actually winning the game. So with that and the fact that they're in a really productive matchup, give me Kareem Hunt, even though I really like James Robinson, and it seems like we're down on him somehow in every question I ask about him each week. But I think this is an interesting question because of exactly what you identified, that he's the solo running back against a Browns defense that hasn't been the best. They're probably in the mid-tier against running backs this year. I just think that Kareem Hunt is going to produce a little bit more. Saints at Broncos is our next game. No big injury notes in this one. Is this a kind of sneaky game? I know Denver, the last couple of times they played at home, they've kind of snuck out some wins They played really well against the Patriots. I think that game was at home. They pulled out that late win against the Chargers up in Denver, and then they had that kind of inexplicable game against Miami last week. They're playing ugly and just well enough to win at home against a more or less dominant Saints team that's ripped off, I think, seven in a row. I guess if I were to have some advice sit your Denver running backs this week, because unless they're going to be producing in the passing game, I just don't expect them to have big weeks. And we kind of got a opposite situation from the Saints running backs last week. Or Alvin Kamara is the top receiver for that Saints team right now, partly because Michael Thomas has missed so much time, but also because he's had to be the feature guy with how little they've thrown the ball down the field. however, Last week, we saw Michael Thomas have double-digit targets and Alvin Kamara not get a single catch. So, given that Kamara is the leading receiver this year, Michael Thomas was last year, and where their teams are currently at with Taysom Hill starting, who do you expect to have more catches this week, Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas?
1: I'm going to say Michael Thomas, and it just has everything to do with just exactly what we saw last week. I don't think we've seen enough from Taysom Hill To know what his tendencies are so i'm just going to go michael thomas just because the he just had so many more um targets than kamara did
0: i think this is a case of them designing the game plan a little bit more for michael thomas to get him involved for when they're going to need him for a playoff push and so as a result they know what they have from kamara they want to limit his amount of touches save him for the playoffs Work Michael Thomas back in. I would expect him to have more catches this week in this game. This is also featuring two guys that were kind of in the mid-tier drafted at tight end. Guys that had good opening weeks, but have really faded off either due to injury or quarterback changes or the offense not being centered around them. These are still two guys that could produce for you down the stretch. Right now in this game, do you expect Jared Cook or Noah Fant to have the bigger game?
1: Jared Cook had one catch, I think, last week. Um, Noah Fant still hasn't been amazing, and it has a lot to do with the quarterback play that he's been receiving and with his injury as well that he's been dealing with. You know, I, for me, this is kind of like throwing a dart at a board. I'm going to take Noah Fant.
0: I probably would as well because I think part of his issue has been injury as opposed to something else. And thus, if he were to get healthy, he'd be the guy that I'd be most likely to see get a increase in targets or use in the offense. So that's where I would put my money on. But if you have, there are a lot of other options, I would rather have this week than either of these guys. Let's go 49ers at Rams. Raheem Mostert is still on the IR, but we have possibilities for Debo Samuel and Tevin Coleman. There's also a possibility for Brandon Ayuk, who was placed on the COVID list last week, to be back. However, after the Rams showing out against the Buccaneers last weekend and how much they have really improved, I mean, they shut down the Seahawks two weeks ago, the Buccaneers last week. This Rams D is really proving they are legit. And some small advice just from Uncle Tom over here. Uh, that the Rams have a really favorable defensive schedule in the playoffs. If you have them available in your league, they are a good one to go pick up and stash right now for when they're going to have some much better matchups. even though the 49ers with as many injuries as that they have had uh, are probably as good a matchup as you'd probably want right now. So I would be sitting most of my Niners players this week if I could I don't think we're going to have Jimmy Garoppolo back for this game either. And given where the Niners were at last season with their running backs, the fact that the Rams running backfield can be productive once they go with one of these guys, this is probably the opposite of how many we've been playing up to this point in this show. But Dynasty Rather, I will give you the opportunity to select any one 49er or Ram running back to start a team with. Who is it? Cam
1: Akers. I'm gonna go Cam Akers. We all know how high, how high I was on him uh pre-draft and everything like that. Um I'm not there on Raheem Mostert. I'm really not. Um and I think Cam Akers is also just the most talented Rams running back as well. For me it's Cam Akers.
0: I'm gonna be <sighs> I'm going to completely agree with you, and it's simply that he's the most talented of any of these guys, most likely. He's also, due to the fact that the Rams haven't solidified their backfield situation yet, and they're still splitting carries between all of these guys, one of them has to emerge at some point. So until that situation is settled, I would go with the guy that's most likely to be the most talented player in an opportune situation. We'll make it very simple for the folks at home, but we also have two wide receivers for the Rams that put up huge nights on Monday night against the Buccaneers defense, Cooper cup and Robert Woods. Do you expect either of them to have a big game? And if so, which one would you bet on to have the bigger
1: game? I'm going to bet on Cooper cup, not only having the bigger game, he's not only having the bigger game, but he's also having the bigger season. Um, He's got 91 targets compared to Robert Woods 75. Really. The only thing Robert Woods is doing is he's scoring more touchdowns. Um, He has how many of it here? Sorry, I lost my spot. He has three more touchdowns. So it's not a crazy amount, but it's still more, you know, Cooper cup is an exceptional route runner and he's showing that with his 64 receptions. He's also got 722 yards receiving. Um, I just think, Cooper Cup is Jared Goff's favorite target. Cooper Cup finds ways of getting open that other people can't. Uh, and I think for for that team, I feel like you have to scheme Robert Woods open a little bit more than Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup can get open because he's such an exceptional route runner. So for me, I'm just going to go Cooper Cup. I think he has a better game and he's been having a better season as well.
0: Agreed. And we are limited on time. We've still got three games to go, but this is probably my game of the weekend. Chiefs at Buccaneers. Sammy Watkins has been limited in practice this week. He is slowly working his way back yet again this season. And we have one of the great quarterback matchups we're going to see this season. Brady versus Mahomes. Who do you expect to end up with more uh, touchdown passes this weekend? Tom Brady or Pat Mahomes?
1: I'm going to think that we see the bad Tom Brady yet again this week. So I'm going to go Pat Mahomes. This one's a bit of a toss-up, but I'll take
0: the guy who's had more passing touchdowns the last few years, the guy who doesn't have a bad game, and that's Pat Mahomes too. I'll just make it simple out there. I expect the Chiefs to win this game because I still think the Buccaneers are a little bit limited when they go up against really, really good teams. Now, this one has an over-under of 55.5 total points, and I do think this one could be very high-scoring. Both teams have scored some very big numbers this season. Do you go over or under that point total?
1: I saw that, and it looks really high for me. I'm going under, and it's not because I don't think Kansas City can score that much. From what I saw from Tampa Bay this last weekend, I don't have any real faith in that offense playing against another pretty decent defense.
0: In order for them to reach this over, it would require both teams to likely score around 28 points apiece, and that's a really high number in a game that, while I think might be high scoring, that, that I agree is very high. I will slightly take the under, even though the Chiefs can light it up like nobody else. All right, let's go to the Sunday night game. Bears at Packers. I don't think there are a ton of people interested in this one, partly because we're still not sure of the status of Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky. They're both dealing with injuries. The last time we saw Nick Foles, he was being carted off the field. Mitchell Trubisky's had a hip issue for a couple of weeks. So it's possible that the Bears could be on their third string quarterback by the time we get to Sunday night. Given that Allen Robinson has been the only consistently good thing about the Bears offense pretty much the last three years, and he's going against one of the more underrated top quarterbacks in the league with Jair Alexander. Can he be fantasy relevant this week with a bad thrower and still going in that matchup?
1: I'm pretty positive Mitch Trubisky practice today. Um, that being said, I have Alan Robinson on my team, and he is not coming off that bench, not even thinking about it. Jair Alexander is one of the top cornerbacks in this league. Look at what he's done to some of the best wide receivers so far this year. It's unbelievable. I expect Jair Alexander to be following around Allen Robinson because who else are you going to follow around? So, no, Allen Robinson is not being played by me, for sure.
0: The Packers don't often shadow. They've played halves of the field with Kevin King and Jair Alexander, who both came back last week. That being said, this is a game that the Packers really need to win. And so I would expect them to do a few more things defensively than they would otherwise. He's not a guy that I'm starting with a whole lot of confidence, but I think he, based on his productivity and talent level, is a guy I'm at least considering flex-wise, depending on what my options are.
1: History speaking, though, Allen Robinson does do pretty decent against the Packers. It's just Jair Alexander is having such a monster year this year. That's my only only holdback.
0: So on the Packers side of things, Aaron Jones produced an okay week last week, partly because he fell into the end zone. He has not nearly been as prolific as he was last year or early on in this season before he got hurt. Aaron Rodgers has had a good year. He produced against a really good defense last week, but traditionally he has not been great against the Chicago bears who are having a pretty good decent year as a defense. So do you feel any confidence in any Packer not named Devontae Adams who basically rolls out of bed and gets 10 targets a week?
1: Yeah, Devontae Adams makes you feel really, really good and really helps you sleep at night. Aaron Jones, we we both thought he would regress, but I don't think either of us thought it would be this much. I still have confidence in him, but it's not like anything you had last year, even the first half of this year.
0: With the Bears reeling, I really think the Packers need to – put a marker down and say, this is ours now, especially in a game where they're currently getting eight and a half points. I, I think they really need to win this one to make that statement that they are one of the top teams in the league and that they're going to be at least a playoff contender, if not a Super Bowl contender. All right. Last game of the week, Eagles at Seahawks. Excuse me. I got that backward. Seahawks at Eagles. Chris Carsten has been practicing this week and is on track to play after a, uh, Pete Carroll made a bold statement last week in saying that Chris Carson would be playing this week. So you have to assume that he was very close to playing last week on their Thursday night game. Had it maybe been on Sunday, he might have played. The Seahawks running back situation looked actually pretty decent with Carlos Hyde back there. Although you would give a degree of confidence in Chris Carson, if you have him, I might be very tempted to start him, even though the Eagles are better than average it may be one of the few things they do well is run the football and stop the run but that's about it this year Zach Ertz has been practicing but he is not yet expected back this week he has not been activated off of ir and carson wentz has been bad we've said it many times on this show but really so has the seattle pass defense with the exception being last week against arizona so if you had to bet on carson wentz continuing to be bad or the Seattle pass D being bad, which of those two are you banking on?
1: I'm banking on Carson Wentz being bad, and I even think the Philadelphia coaching staff is starting to see that as well. Um, Doug Peterson himself said that we are going to be seeing um, a little bit more Jalen Hurts. Um, Carson Wentz has been really, really bad. I would tend to agree,
0: and it's also partly with the fact that we've seen the Eagles, or excuse me, we've seen the Seahawks improve on their pass defense last week to the point where I might give them a little bit more of a vote of confidence. We have not seen that with Carson Wentz that would give me any real confidence in the last you know, half dozen weeks or so that says he is going to be anything but turnover prone and just make poor throws. That being said, he does have a direct impact on two fantasy-relevant tight ends. Dallas Goddard had a big game last week. Richard Rodgers also scored a touchdown in that game that they were well behind against the Cleveland Browns. If you had to pick one of these two tight ends to start this weekend, because we know that the position is very bad, which of these two are you going with?
1: I'm going Dallas Goddard. Richard Rodgers is very touchdown dependent. Um, Dallas Goddard, he's going to get his targets and yards. I don't think you're going to get that with Richard Rodgers.
0: I would tend to agree. I think Rodgers is a little bit more touchdown dependent than Goddard, who is likely to get a few more targets, and so that would be where my money's at if I could go with that, despite the fact that I think Rodgers might be a sneaky target, especially against that pass defense, to pick up some points and at least be fantasy relevant for the week. All right, let's get to underrated stud of the week. I have Will Fuller against Detroit on Thursday, that early game. We already said it's the Deshaun Watson show and you'd like to pick his number one wide receiver. He is currently going outside the top 10 in rankings this week. I expect him to have a potentially top five week at the position. Who do you have?
1: I'm going to go with Christian Kirk. A lot of it has to do with Stefan Gilmore. i going to be covering a lot of new Hopkins and we also know that um, they like to take away the number one receiver. I think that just opens up a lot more for Christian Kirk this weekend.
0: Interesting pick.